Good morning. Uh, I want to welcome you to our live feed today. My name is Bland. I'm the lead pastor here. If you're uh, tuning in uh, for the first time, welcome. Uh, thanks for checking us out today. Uh, you can uh, go to coabrookline.org slash connect, and we would love for you to take a moment and fill out um, a connection uh, card form there. We would normally collect this in person if you were uh, checking us out, but this is just a way for us to get to know you a little bit and also for us to be able to follow up with you and find out if you have any concerns concerns or questions or anything that we can help you with, or if you want more information uh, about the church. So we'd love for you to go there and fill that out if you have a second. Uh, if you've been around COA, uh, you know that our core values are gospel, community, and mission. So gospel uh, really shapes everything that we, we are and everything we do as a church. The gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ came and died uh, on the cross and rose from the grave uh, to, to give us forgiveness of sins and new life in his name. And so the gospel really does shape us, and we're, we experience that gospel by faith alone, not by, by going to church or by reading our Bibles, by any other uh, activity, but by grace alone, through faith in Christ alone. So that's the gospel. That's the good news. And then <clears throat> Christ brings us into his family, which is amazing because uh, some of us may not have a, had, a, had a great earthly family, and, and yet we have an eternal family now uh, through Jesus's uh, redemption, the redemption we get through his uh, death and resurrection on our behalf. And one of the reasons that we as a church emphasize our community group so strongly is because of, of the fact that Jesus died to bring us into a community. He didn't die for us just as a bunch of individuals. Uh, we'll see him in heaven, but that he brought us into his family and made us a part of that. And so uh, I want to really encourage you, if you've not connected with a community group, you can uh, you can uh, check those out on our website. And we will also, if you'll, you'll go to our connect form, coabrookline.org slash connect and fill that out. We will help you find a community group in your area. And yes, they're not really meeting in person right now, but uh, you can connect on Zoom and the groups are you know, sometimes still connecting at the park or outside places like that at times. So um, this is an important time, especially as we're heading into the cold weather and winter, to make sure that you have a community of people. So encourage you to sign up for that. And then uh, mission. So gospel uh, is that the core ideology. It's gospel community that, that Jesus brings us into, and then gospel mission, that we want others to know about this good news. And we believe that we declare and display the gospel for the world. And that's how the mission of the gospel, starting in uh, in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, has spread around the known world today um, because the gospel has been on display and it's been declared to those who've not heard. And God has given life to those who hear and believe. And so we invite you today even to, to believe on the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, a couple of quick announcements. We'll get into our message for today. Uh, first, uh, if you're not already aware, on Wednesdays at noon, we have a, a short prayer meeting. It's just from 12 to 1230. It's a Zoom call. You can just hop on. Uh, we'll just take time to pray. Sometimes it's mission focused. Sometimes it's more general. Um, but every single Wednesday from 12 to 1230. And you can find that on our on our uh, the link on our website uh, called brookline.org slash live. Um, on that page there, we'll have all the information uh, and the link to our Zoom. You don't have to turn on your camera. You don't have to pray out loud if you don't feel comfortable. Um, but it is a really sweet time. I participate in that very regularly, lead it about, about every other week. So I encourage you to come uh, check that out. Uh, also, uh, just this week in particular, uh, we're not going to be doing our Q&A like normal. So um, we are 
pre-recording this service today, um, partially because uh, Pastor Mike was uh, traveling to help take care of his mom uh, last week, and so he, you know, he came in and he's recorded the music. I'm recording the message now. We we gave the band as much of the technical help uh, a, a week off as we could, uh, so there won't be a, a Q and A following the service. But I encourage you to keep keep that in mind for next week as we'll get back into the regular live feed. Uh, I'm going to pray, and then we'll dive into our message. So um, today I'm going to ask you to join me in praying for our um, one of our churches that we uh, started back in 2016 called Milestone Church in Natick. And we can pray for uh, Pastor Jay uh, Mudd and his wife, Holly, and their kids uh, during this Thanksgiving and Christmas season. So let's, let's pray for, their, for them and their congregation. <sighs> Father, we come before you this morning, and, and I know that um, we all feel the weight of this continuing uh, virus and even the, the current, um, current spike that is happening. And uh, Lord, many of us experience that firsthand uh, through uh, working in the hospital or having friends working in the hospital. God, so many across our congregation back in uh, April, May, were, were, were just overwhelmed with work. And uh, God, we just pray for you to calm our minds, calm our hearts, Help us to trust you right now, to, to look to you. Um, and as we looked at last Sunday, to seek your kingdom first. Um, I pray that you would protect our hearts from uh, worrying about tomorrow or the week after or, um, or next month. God, but to just trust you for today, knowing that you've given us the grace that we need for today. So I pray for all that are hearing me right now who may be feeling alone or overwhelmed or anxious. I pray you'd calm their minds and their hearts, Lord. Um, may we be like, like children sitting in the presence of a good, godly, loving, compassionate father who has, 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 has offered your care, given your care to us. I pray you'd calm us, father. I pray also, um, just for, um, for our, our, uh, sponsor church that we we've planted a few years ago, Milestone Church in Natick. Uh, God, we thank you for the fruit that you have brought there, and <clears throat> helping them to move into a facility, and helping them to be able to even plant other churches in the Metro West area. Uh, God, we pray for Pastor Jay and his wife Holly. We pray for a blessing on their family during this time. <clears throat> may they know your presence. May they know. May Jay uh, sense your your wisdom and your peace with him as he seeks to lead his congregation through this difficult time. Uh, God, just bless that church. May they have a fruitful ministry as we head into 2021. God, would you just show uh, your goodness and your mercy to them uh, by, by using them, by, by uniting them, by strengthening them, uh, even when all of the normal tools for those things, the normal methods for those things can't be uh, seen or practiced, God. Pray for them. Uh, and now, God, as we, we turn our minds and our hearts to your word, uh, would you speak to us? Would you... Um, let Jesus' words uh, pierce our minds and our hearts, God, not to condemn us, but to, to uh, convict us that we would grow, that we would press into the gospel deeper, that we would love others better, um, and that we as a church would be the church you've called us to be uh, here in this city, Father. Uh, in your name we pray. Amen. So you can open to um, Matthew chapter 7. 
uh, turning the corner here on the third chapter of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. Um, we're going to be looking at, at judging today and what Jesus says about judging. And, you know, judge not uh, that you may not be judged may be the most uh, well-known verse in our culture today. Uh, and basically, you know, it, the idea behind it is Jesus saying, mind your own business. Keep up with your own stuff. Judge your own stuff. Don't come over here. Don't bring it over here. And it's sort of seen as this, um, especially among people that aren't Christians, it's like as a, as a gotcha moment, you know, like, oh, yeah? Well, Jesus said, don't judge others, right? So, you know, they, 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 they say that. And I, I just want to pause on that for a moment uh, and think about that. People don't like being judged by others and will often resist value claims placed on them by others. But but I, I asked, does it work the other way around? Do, do, do those same people that cry out, judge not, judge not, um, are they the same people that don't judge others when they happen to disagree with them, when they happen to not like what they've done or think that what they've done is wrong? Are they, are they quick to say, well, no, you know, I, Jesus said I shouldn't judge, so I'm not going to judge others? And, and the answer is no. And in fact, we, we all are guilty of making judgment calls. There is no one who can honestly live by a, a complete morally neutral ethic about everything that happens in the world. Uh, we simply can't live that way. What our culture is really saying when they say uh, don't judge is don't judge me on X, on this thing, okay? But I reserve the right to judge you on Y and Z. And it's interesting, it's a very human reaction, right? There's Christians that are this way. There are, uh, it's a very human thing to, to have this sense of, hey, here's this thing I see in your life that, that, that really concerns me and bothers me, and I'm going to call you out on that. But you know what? These things over here, um, you, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't be so judgmental about that. It's interesting how this is carried over into perceptions of even of Christians in particular. Um, about 10 years ago, the Pew Research Forum and the Barner Group did a massive research study on, uh, on what non-Christians' perceptions of Christians are. And there's a lot of good data there. But one of the things they did was they, they uh, asked non-Christians, people who do not identify as a Christian, uh, what their perceptions of Christians are, gave them this long list of, of adjectives, and then asked them to just uh, circle the top, their top three. And, and what came out as the top three was, was pretty condemning. The first is <laughs> the word judgmental meaning that Christians are constantly judging others. They're constantly looking at others saying, you're falling short, you're failing, you're not making it in this area. The second one is hypocritical, meaning Christians don't actually practice or follow the things that they judge other people for. And then the third one was anti-gay, pointing to a very specific type of judgment, a very specific type of, of, of behavior that, the, that uh, Christians are targeting. Now you might be hearing this and you're thinking, well, you know, I don't I don't feel like that's me. That's it's not really me to to and I don't feel like I'm that judgmental person. Um but you know, as you reflect on it more, you you probably think about um you know, your, your cousin that you have and you're like, yeah, you know what? She's, she is really, she is really kind of judgmental. I've seen some of the things that she's written on, uh, on her social media. And, you know, I've talked over to her over, you know, meals and man, she is kind of judgmental. Oh yeah. And there's that, that guy that I know that, you know, I went to college with and he, man, he, yeah, he could, he just let people have it, you know? And, and then, 
And then there's those Christians in the media and the news that, that get put up, you know, and, and I just feel like they, they, man, they just don't get it. And, and in fact, you know, I feel like they're the ones that are really hurting our team. And that if, if somehow we could, you know, offload some of those folks, then we ourselves, we as Christians in America would have a much better reputation. And I don't know if you realize what I just did there, but I went from making judgment calls about activity to making judgment calls about a person. You see how easy that was? You see, well, I see how easy it was to slip from, I don't agree with, I, don't, I think she said some, she says some sort of harsh things, there are harsh things there, to being, I don't want them on my team. I'm condemning them outright saying they don't belong. And I think I'll, I will say this in particular today. I see this uh, coming out of the 2020 election on both sides of the aisle. For Christians on either side, there's this condemnation. Oh, you voted for that candidate. How could you vote for that candidate? Look at, look at that person. Look at him and what he was about. Look at, look at his policies. Look at his positions. And you can't possibly do that and be a Christian. And as soon as we've done that, we have passed judgment on another person. We are not looking at the, the, the issues. We're not looking at this is right and wrong and let's talk about that. We are now condemning another person. And it's easy to do. And our culture lives and breathes this. So listen, with that in mind, listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 7, 1 through 6. And then we're going to bring in verse 12 as well, which is the the golden rule. After I'm done, I'll say this is the word of the Lord. I encourage you to join me in saying thanks be to God. Jesus says, judge not that you may not be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Verse 12. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And what Jesus has been building in, the, in, in Matthew 5 through 7 is what life in the kingdom is like. And back in Matthew 5, he was digging at the idea that these external sins that we commit, whether it's lust or, or, uh, or, or calling people names or whatever, or hatred, uh, even murder, it's, it's rooted in our heart. These external behaviors are rooted in our heart. And then in chapter uh, 6, he turns the corner a bit and he says, these good things that we do out here may not, be, may not actually be good things because they're driven by sin. They're shaped by sin in the heart. So you can see that what Jesus is doing through, through this entire chapter or through the entire Sermon on the Mount is digging after our heart. He's digging after what it, what's on the inside. And Matthew 7 is no different as he begins to, and you'll see this, he's, he's drawing out this picture of two ways to live. Two ways to live as a human being in this world. And today is no different. He's talking about those who judge, uh, those who judge sinfully and those who would judge rightly. He's calling us out today. And I want to give a, a shout out to Stephen on some of the notes for today. Um, the f- first idea I want us to see is Uh, Don't judge, right? That's what he's saying. But really, Jesus says yes and no. 
don't judge. Yes and no. Let's look at what he, what he doesn't mean here. Uh, Jesus is not saying, don't make any judgment call on anything anyone does. Can't do that. That's wrong. You can't make, can't make a declarative statement, an objective statement of something being right or wrong that anyone does. You can't, uh, he's not saying that to disagree with someone or to uh, think differently is somehow judgment on them, right? So he's, he's not saying don't make any judgments and he's not saying to make a judgment on someone is, is a condemnation of them. That's not the same thing. Jesus is, is not saying you never have the right to ever say anything to anyone about what they're doing. When, when people use this text to say that, they are taking this text out of context. Um, just a few verses later and throughout the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is making a contrast between good and bad, right? And he says just a few verses later in chapter 7, a good tree cannot bear good fruit and a bad tree cannot bear bad fruit. You will recognize my disciples by their fruit. How can you recognize Jesus' disciples if you're not making judgments on behavior and things that you see, good fruit and bad fruit? The rest of Jesus' teaching, the teaching of the Apostle Paul, and the teaching of the early church is caught up in this idea that, that you can and should indeed make judgment calls on things, on behavior, on right and wrong actions. In fact, Jesus says in John 7, 24, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. So if you look at what Jesus is saying in context, it's not don't make any judgment but he's condemning judgmentalism. You know the difference, right? Judge, a judgment is making a statement about something. Judgmentalism is a spirit or attitude of the heart that condemns other people. How easy is it to slip from judging to judgmentalism though? Judging goes from, this is a sin, and I see this is a sin, and this is wrong, this is objectively wrong, to they're wrong. And I'm using this, this action or these actions to cloud my entire view of this person now, at which point we are condemning them. We are no longer judging their actions. We are now judging them as a human being. And it's a, it's a, it's a scary place to be. And when, when, we're, when that's exposed, we can see it for what it is, which is what Jesus is trying to do. You know, I don't know if any of you watch, I, I don't watch it. I've watched it a couple of times, but you know, all these crazy cooking shows, right. That are on, on, on now. I think of like, you know, like Hell's Kitchen and Gordon Ramsay. And, uh, you know, he's always judging someone's food basically as if it was being made for the queen of England for her last meal or something. Right. And, and so he, you know, he gets on there and he's, he's judging, you know, I, I don't like the way, I don't like the ingredients you used for this. I don't like the flavors that you created. I don't like the, the, the presentation of what you have made, uh, here. And, and, you know, people, the show, Show's entertaining, right? A lot of people are people watch it just because they like watching him just gah, you know, letting somebody have it and and sort of, you know, it's sort of a dark humor type of thing, but people kind of laugh sometimes depending on what he says and uh and and seeing him attack somebody. But but let me ask you a question. What if what if he went beyond that? What if while Gordon Ramsay was there, he he says, uh, you know, in fact, it's not just your food, it's you as a person. I don't like you. You're a terrible person. You lie sometimes. You're, you're not funny when you think you are. You're not even very intelligent. You as a person are reflected in this food. This food tells me what kind of terrible, awful, ridiculous, useless 
human being you are. Now, if he did that, the show wouldn't last long, right? Because everyone would go, oh my gosh, he has gone from attacking the food, which is kind of entertaining, to now attacking the person. And he's taking the food and using this to, 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 to wash over the entire person and defining them by it, right? And so what, what we have to remember is that's exactly what we're doing when we go from making a judgment call about a person's actions to being judgmental. Part of the problem is we have to make judgment calls. We make them all the time. We make judgment calls about uh, all kinds of things as human beings. Something's true or not true. As a Christian, we decide something biblical or not biblical. Something just or unjust, good or evil, right or wrong. We make these judgment calls all the time. And then there's the judgment calls of our preferences. I like this. I don't like this. I like that. I don't like that. And, and, and so we are, we are constantly doing that. Um, but what happens when we, when we shift that to, to an entire person and something we don't like that they did or something that's wrong that they did or something we disagree with or something we were even hurt by, by another person. When that becomes the defining lens that we look at the other person through, we are now condemning the other person. We're no longer making a judgment of calls about their actions or correcting them, but condemning them. So really what Jesus is saying, don't judge, is not, don't make any judgment calls about anything anyone does. He's saying, don't condemn. So don't judge means don't condemn. Don't put yourself in the judgment seat over them. Don't put yourself in the position of God, right? Which is the original sin of Adam and Eve, not wanting to be uh, in relation to God like this, but wanting to be God-like. They wanted to know right and wrong. They wanted to, to be God-like and be able to make those calls and, uh, about things. And that's exactly what sin causes us to do, is to exalt ourselves above the other person and condemn them. Judging is kind of like murder in the heart, right? When we condemn someone else, we're saying, you know, I didn't physically kill you, but you're dead to me. You're dead to me in that you don't have access to me. You don't get to be around me. And I'm, and I'm not, not necessarily sp- speaking about like a situation of abuse or trauma or something like that. Certainly a person shouldn't have access to you if they have abused you and, and, and traumatized you. Not traumatized you by saying something to hurt your feelings. That's, not, that's, that's the modern sense of trauma. I'm talking about real trauma, real hurt, real uh, abuse, okay? And, and as a Christian, you don't have to, to go be with that person. Um, but even in how you would choose to see that person, you, it's much more biblical. And Jesus is calling you to call out their behavior as best you can. That's hard, right? That's hard not to, not to condemn the entire person because of what they've done to you. I understand that. I think it's very human. I think it's very uh, real. And, and grace is often in the life of someone who's been abused about, about sorting through that and being able to say, you know what, that person has hurt me and they've done some terrible things, but I'm not going to stand in the seat of God and judge them. God will do that. God's got that. There's clearly times to correct people, Right. Clearly times to call them out. Uh, there are sins. There is racism. There is uh, abortion. There is uh, sin in this world, right? Greed and selfishness and pride and anger that have lashed out in sinful ways. There are sins in this world. And we, we are called to, to not be the police, 
and run around, you know, calling everyone out all the time. But when we do see it, it's, it's a loving act as a brother and sister in Christ, especially when you're the one, the, the one who's taking the brunt of it, to love them enough to correct them, but not condemn them. And that's why we need both truth and love. Truth allows us to be able to say what God has said about someone, about their sin, but about them being loved and being under God's grace and that, that they can be forgiven. And, uh, uh, but but, but uh, love helps us to go to them, not with a condemning attitude of, look what you've done. Look what you did. You did that. You need to, you, you, you're a terrible person and a condemning attitude. So truth and love are necessary here. Sometimes we have to call people out in hard-heartedness who refuse to hear truth. That's what verse six is about. It's a weird little verse, right? Do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before swine lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Even what, what um, some theologians believe here is this is actually referring to the gospel, that the, 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 the pearls of, of the truth of God and who Jesus is. And don't, don't sit there and waste time. Once someone is, has rejected you and continually rejected you, then um, it's become clear they're hostile towards you. It's not saying don't pray for them. It doesn't say don't, completely give up onto them, but don't waste your time either. They've chosen to reject the truth, even when shared in love. So then how do we judge correctly? How do we judge correctly? Jesus gives us some guidance here. The first is we need to judge with self-awareness. Verses three through five here, Jesus says, you gotta, you gotta look at yourself. You gotta see yourself first. Um, see yourself. If you see yourself as a root of, of the problems, of problems, of sin, then, then you're going to look at others with much less condemnation. Back in 1905 in London, uh, a Daily News uh, published a, an, uh, an article, an op-ed by a um, local uh, non-Christian, a heretic, literally, asking a question, what is wrong with the world? Uh, and, and they got all of these letters from the uh, back, flooded with response letters from the editor. And one letter came in from uh, the, the great Christian thinker and theologian, uh, G.K. Chesterton, uh, who, if you've never read his book, Orthodoxy, I certainly encourage you to put that on your reading list as one of the books from Christians who've uh, gone on to be with the Lord way before us. But uh, it's a great book. But he said, he, he replied and wrote this in, what is wrong? What is wrong is I am wrong. Until a man can give that answer, his idealism is only a hobby. <laughs> what a statement, right? I am the problem. And until I see myself as the problem, as, as sinful and, and, and spilling sin out into this world, then my idealism, my idea of, of, of the things getting better is not going to happen. It's just a hobby. It's not real. I can't actually work on it. Every wrong you will see will always be blown out of proportion unless you see yourself rightly. Unless you see your own sin, unless you see your own failures before the Lord. When you look at others, you will always see them as bigger than yours. Until you're skeptical of your own heart and your own righteousness, you can't approach others with the humility necessary to look at their sin and call them out with grace. That's why Jesus said in verse three, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? This is, <laughs> this is Jesus 
making a little bit of a sarcastic statement, right? I mean, he's, he's, he's being comedic here. He's, he's, he's making a funny point. Um, but just imagine, if you will, just this scenario. You know, you're, uh, you and your brother are, are uh, you know, cutting a, a large beam down. And, you know, this is, they didn't have saws back then, but imagine with me a saw, if you will. And, you know, you're, you're running this, this beam together through this saw. And all of a sudden, you know, if you don't know much about saws, then sometimes they'll bind and the wood will kick back. Uh, and, and it can be very dangerous. And so, you know, you're running this through, beam through and all of a sudden the last, you know, middle of it, the, the, the beam locks up, the, the blade locks up and kicks the saw back. And meanwhile, a, a, a small uh, splinter lands in your brother's eye. Huge issue, right? But you got the beam in your eye. Now, which one is more important? Certainly the beam. The beam is of infinite more importance because you can't actually, uh, you can't actually do anything because the beam is blocking your view. And what, what Jesus is saying, if you can just imagine there's just this log in someone's eye and they're looking over at a person with a splinter going, you know, let me, let me get that for you. Let me help you with that. That's exactly what you're doing if you don't see your own sin before you see other people's sin. If someone else is always the problem, Jesus is trying to snap you back. If you're great at spotting splinters out there, but you are not an expert in your own log, in your own eye, then you will be judgmental. You cannot go to other people looking at right and wrong, making decisions about right and wrong, call, making judgment calls about things that are right or wrong or things that, 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 uh, that are sinful, not sinful. You can't do that with Grace, unless you see your own sin first. You see, there's a full grown, and this is what verse, verse uh, five, Jesus is really saying here. He says, You're, you hypocrite, right? You hypocrite. That's ironically one of the words that Jesus, or that, the, that showed up in the survey, that, that Christians are hypocrites. The, the, the problem with being a hypocrite is, he says, first take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of others. What makes someone hypocritical is not that they sin. It's not. It is that they are experts in others' sin and not in their own. That there's no humility about what they've done wrong, but only judgment about what other people have done wrong. That's what it means to be hypocritical. You see, you're not a hypocrite if you're humble and honest about your own sin. You have self-awareness. That brings us to our second idea here is judge with humble mercy. Once you've looked at yourself, you need to be careful how you judge. Verse 2, for the judgment you pronounce, uh, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This is a measuring. How many of you really want God to judge you with the same spirit that you have judged other people? No one, right? We want mercy. Do you want God's judgment or mercy? I want mercy. Give me mercy. I need mercy. The problem is when we are judging others, we have slid that aside and said, you will get justice from me. Jesus says in verse 12, that's why whatever you wish others to do unto you, do also to them for this is the law and the prophets. This is not a promise that you will get whatever you give. And it's certainly not karma that like, oh, if you, you know, if you always treat others well, they'll treat you well too. It's, it's a general principle, but the, the point there is, is true as well. When someone is coming to you and you have sinned, do you want them to come with, 
a hammer or do you want them to come with grace? Do you want them to come uh, in humility to you? Some questions here. Am I really lovingly concerned or trying to be right? Do I examine my own heart first? Is this how I'd want someone to correct me or come to me if I was wrong? You see, being humble allows you to receive correction. It helps you to not slide into self-righteousness and keeps you from judging others in a sinful way. Thirdly, judge gently. So judge humbly, judge gently. I love the picture here. It's a splinter, right? It's not simply about someone coming and saying, you have a splinter in your eye, right? It's, it's about someone who, who comes to, 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 to get it out gently. Uh, splinters are painful, right? I remember as a kid, I got a really bad splinter in my right hand one time, and I'm right-handed, so um, I didn't want to maim myself trying to get you know, get, use my shaky left hand to get a splinter out. So I called my mom, I got my mom and she came and she, uh, she got a needle and she got some tweezers and she very gently under light and very carefully removed the splinter gently emphasis on gently. It still hurt, right? It's going to hurt. But when someone comes to you, don't you want them to come gently to remove that splinter or to come in, you know, with a hacksaw trying to get at it? No, we, we, uh, we want someone to be gentle. This is our opportunity to be gentle. You know, Jesus didn't come to the woman at the well in John 4, breathing hellfire and damnation, right? He called her out on some things. He did, but he did not do it in a condemning way. He did it in a way that invited her into grace and forgiveness. That's what we want to do. And that leads us to the final idea here that we're to judge restoratively. Verse five, Paul said, or uh, uh, Jesus says, um, "Why do you uh, take the log out of your own eye, and then uh, you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye?" That's a huge word there. That word "brother" brings the idea of family, right? A relationship. This is not stranger's eye. I think we should actually be really, really careful about trying to take splinters out of strangers' eyes, because that that almost never goes well. But I think when we have a, a brother-sister relationship, when we're in Jesus' family together, we can go in and, and out of love, remove that with the hope of, of, of restoring them, right? That's the goal, not to condemn them, not to crush them, not to prove that we were right and they were wrong and they should get on our side and look and see things like we do, but instead to restore them to God and to right relationship. This is the gospel of grace. And, 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 and it's the opposite of our culture. Our culture, our city that's so, so transient and moving and people just sort of move on in relationships, right? It's like, ah, oh, this one's kind of hard. I'm just going to move on. Oh, this one, that's kind of hard. Online, you just cancel people, right? If you don't like what they say, just cancel them. Uh, and we're going to remove them from the sphere of influence. And I don't have to listen to them anymore. But in the church, that's not how we function. That's not how Jesus' family functions. We persevere and press in through the difficulties. We hang in through the hurt. We press through the disagreements. And in doing so, we find something beautiful, the grace of Jesus, because you know who pressed in with you through your sin? You know who presses in with you through your disagreements, through your failures? Jesus does. So when we do that to each other, we experience Jesus 
in our family. It's hard. It's messy. It takes time. It's a whole lot easier to just cancel people and be done with them. But that's not what Jesus teaches us. He teaches us to love and do it restoratively. 2 Thessalonians 3, 13 through 15, and I'll close in prayer. Paul says, for as for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him, that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. So there's a call there to press in. Don't cancel, but press in out of love. And today I want to remind you that Jesus has pressed in for you. He has endured your sin. He has endured your demeaning him. He has endured you turning your back on him. He has endured every injustice you've ever committed in your life. He has endured every moment of thoughtless uh, uh, sin. He has endured every unkind word, every greedy uh, action in your life. He has endured that because he loves you and he invites you into that. Then he invites you to go out, not without any convictions or any ideas about what's right and wrong, but going out as he came to you in truth and love. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you did come to us in truth and love. We need it. We need your help not to be judgmental. That even while we would see right is right and wrong is wrong, and while there is truth and it's not all relative and it's not all uh, up to us individually, God, but there are things that are right and wrong. And as we would press into those things with others, God, give us grace. Give us a deep awareness of our own sin so that we do not have even a hint of self-righteousness or hypocrisy. Protect us, Lord. Protect our church. Protect your church from this kind of backbiting and judgmentalism that can become so commonplace. We need you, Jesus. We need your spirit to come. In your name we pray. Amen.